0: Uh, let me get back to the day job now of opening up this psalm. Uh, the new year, it's always a good time to look back on what has happened over the year gone by. That's a good time to look ahead to what God is going to do amongst us in the year to come. Uh, and as we're partway through our sort of 24 days of prayer and fasting, we've been actually working through this psalm as a great psalm to, to really sort of frame our uh, uh, prayer and fasting. Um, we're going to read the whole psalm together. We've been singing the whole psalm this morning. Well, let's say it all together. Um, it's only 10 verses long, uh, so that should be f- uh, fine. We actually should be able to say this all together, you know. I mean, I love that song where we're doing it in halves. Maybe we should try something here. If this half start at verse 1, and this half start at verse... See, there's, there's some things that work and some that don't, aren't they? Anyway, so let's try and sort of uh, read this all together. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend, Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has a clean hand and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of these who seek him, who seek the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty in in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in who is this King of glory, the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word. We just pray that you would open it to us now as we study it. Just pray you'd give us wisdom and speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We have a saying in English that first impression... Uh, a couple of points that I thought were quite clever don't make it into the final draft but invariably the first impression that I have when opening up an email if you like from Steve and Danny that says can you preach in January on these two verses in Psalm 24 yeah the first thing you do is you go look at Psalm 24 reminds yourself and there's a thought there's an impression that comes that first impression and I've learned over the years that that's the kind of thing that stays, whatever else comes and goes, that's the thing that, that, that kind of stays. And I've learned to kind of trust in that first impression. So I want to, as I unpack the, just a couple of verses in Psalm 24, I'm doing the middle bit, by the way, um, I want to unpack also my first impressions. Um, I'm doing, I should actually say, because we read that whole verse. Uh, let me just go back a slide. Uh, let me go back a slide. No, no, all right, we'll stay where we are. (laughs) We need a new clicker, guys. Um, The the bits that I'm doing are just this this question from David. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who does not lift his soul up to what is false and does not swear deceitfully? He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. It's It's an interesting couple of verses. And you see... My first impression of this psalm... I mean, I've read Psalm 24 many times, obviously, but, but first impressions count because this is the first time I've, I've kind of preached from this psalm. So I did kind of come to it with a, a slightly different perspective. And my first impression was... I always saw these early psalms as incredibly comforting psalms. You know, Psalm 23 is, is well-known. You know, we, we have fridge magnets with Psalm 23 on. Uh, psalm, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That, and psalm 24 is in that similar vein. And uh, they're our kind of go-to passages. If we're in time of distress or, or want comfort, we, we open up a psalm. And, and, and this psalm, it, it kind of comes in three bits. We got the beginning, we got the middle, the end, and Steve was unpacking that, that beginning bit last week. You know, the earth is the Lord and the fullness is thereof. Uh, who's doing next week? Is it Steve or is it Danny now that Danny's back? Is it you again? Okay, we're giving Danny another few weeks off. That's fine. Um, so, so, so next week, Steve's going to be unpacking. You know, lift up your, your heads, oh ye gates. They're, they're, they're two. Great bits to the psalm, isn't it? Yeah, the earth is the Lord's. Is the, is the, Lord, the fullness thereof. Lift up your gates. What have I got? Uh, who shall ascend the hill of the It's still a great passage, but you see that there, there is a subtle change there because the first bit is just fantastic again it fills us with comfort it fills us with joy we have this trust in the God who owns the universe you know Steve was cheekily looking at me last week when we were talking about how many stars there are in the universe all of that which God created uh, as if I should know the answer and I kind of was sitting there thinking actually I should but I don't So so I kind of had to Google it up very embarrassingly afterwards, because I thought I should know the answer to that just with my interests. But the answer is, if you ask how many stars there are in the galaxy, the the sort of round number that most people take these days is 100 billion. 100 billion. That's a lot of stars in... I think you said something like 400 solar systems. I think you're a bit short there. We, we need 100 billion. But, but I was sitting there thinking, I don't know the answer either. But, but having Googled it, you know, 100 billion stars in the galaxy and how many galaxies in the universe, Well, it's an easy number to remember because there's another 100 billion. So we've got 100 billion stars in our galaxy and 100 billion galaxies like that. The trouble is... That number never stays still. That's why we don't really know. Because every time we build another telescope that looks further, we find more and we've revised the number upwards. And some of the stuff from the James Webb Space Telescope is saying probably there's not 100 billion galaxies, but 2 trillion galaxies. God created the universe. Yeah, the earth and the fullness thereof, but the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. There's a lot of stuff out there that declares the glory of God. I'm kind of getting distracted. I haven't even hit my bits yet. But, um, but, but the end of the psalm, you see, talks about the glory of God as well. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. We have these immense declarations of the power of God. And that, I say, was always my impression of these psalms. Psalms of rejoicing, of power, of declaration. And then we kind of get to... I don't know if this is going to go forward and not back, but we'll have the next slide if we can. Please. There we, go. there we go. There we go. There we go. then we get this great question from uh, from from David: Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? These are not two different questions, but the same question, just reworded and asked again to emphasise the importance of the question given the power and authority of this creator God, who called this universe into existence, who established the seas and the land, who's described as strong and mighty in battle, such that none can resist him, who can approach him and stand before him? Who can approach him and stand before him? Well, if the answer to that question is taken from our knowledge of where we stand today, then we've got great verses that we hold on to, like Matthew eleven twenty-eight, that says, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah, if we were to say, what do we as a church believe in who can come to the Lord? Well, the answer is everybody, isn't it? Saint and sinner, good and bad, those with a checkered past, those with a pretty good past. Actually, your past doesn't matter. Come to me, you who are weak and heavy laden. The tax collector, the prostitute, the adulterer are welcomed by him. That's our perspective on this question, who may ascend the hill of the Lord. Not a difficult question, everybody, you're all welcome. God doesn't exclude everybody, anybody. God doesn't exclude anybody. But, you see, the interesting thing is when David wrote Psalm 24, Matthew 11 obviously hadn't been written. And so David has a slightly different take on this question. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? It's he who has a clean hand and a pure heart, who doesn't lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He'll receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And so my first impression of this psalm that I wanted to understand and explore more was suddenly it had brought me up short a bit. Suddenly my, oh, here's a go-to psalm for to rejoice and to declare the power of the God has suddenly got me looking at myself and saying, do I have clean hands? Do I have a pure heart? Yeah, you know, Since COVID, we've all been washing our hands a little bit more with those sort of hand sanitizers. But but when it talks of clean hands, it's not just saying, have you used your hand sanitizer recently? It's talking about the things that we do. Clean hands is the things that we do. A pure heart is the things that we think. You know, those are tough questions. What do we do? What do we think? Is that good? Does that make us good enough before God? I mean, I may not lift up my... Soul to what is false, but I get distracted by other things, Uh, such that my attention is not always on God. Uh, I might not describe myself as someone who swears deceitfully, but am I always completely honest and truthful 100% of the time? You know, if you ever give evidence in court, I think you're still asked to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Do our lives live out that reality? Who can ascend? the hill of the Lord, who can stand in his holy place. You know, given that criteria, can I? Can you? Can we stand before God? And so my first impression of this gentle, calm, uplifting psalm has now caused me to examine myself a whole lot more deeply. Very rarely today will people ask this question, how can I be right before God? If we were to walk out on the streets there and say to people, What's a good question to ask? What's the sort of question that's on your mind at the moment? Most people out there are not going to say, oh, how can I be right before God? It's probably become, how can I be happy? How can I be content? But just because the question's not asked today doesn't make it irrelevant. Its importance hasn't gone away. How can I be right before God? Is perhaps one of the most important questions anyone can ask at any time. And one thing we can say uh, is that David is right to ask this question, even if we will not. David rightly asks this question from his place in the heart of the Old Testament, as he saw a God who, who will both give blessings and withhold blessings. And so being right before God was really, really important. It wasn't something to be assumed or taken for granted first 14 verses of deuteronomy uh, on which so much of the uh, old testament law is based is uh, talks about the blessings of those who are obedient blessed shall you be in the city blessed shall you be in the field blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle the increase of your herds and the young of your flock blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl blessed Shall you be when you come in and blessed shall be when you go out. I think if you remember back to the time of COVID, there was that great um, song that was put together, I think by the guys at HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton, with different people singing different parts. And uh, I think loads of people have done similar things like that. And and we were all singing that and praying that and saying, yeah, you know, blessings upon us, blessings upon us. That's fantastic. But you see, the next bit of the passage isn't quite so comforting. It isn't. Yeah, that's right, we didn't sing this bit, did we? This bit wasn't verse 2 in that song. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statues that I command you today, then these are the curses that shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, cursed shall you be in the field, Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. Musicians, we're looking for a chorus based on Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 19. Will that make it up the, uh, the hip parade? Yeah, that, that, that's not our New Testament experience, isn't it? We, 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 don't, we, we kind of gloss over those verses. We sing about the blessings, we don't sing about the the curses. There's strong language there, cursed shall you be in the city. So being right before God was really important. Will I face the blessings of God or will I face the wrath of God? And if we were to answer David's question honestly, Based on an Old Testament perspective, and that's going to change in a moment, but based on an Old Testament perspective, the answer suddenly becomes, well, actually not many. That's the brutal truth, isn't it? If we are dependent on having clean hands and a pure heart, clean hands and a pure heart, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? The answer is actually not many. But, and there's a good but in it. The Bible's full of some great changes in the whole kind of tone. There's a but. And uh, there's another instance where there was a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. You see, uh, I think Steve again mentioned this last week, this psalm was probably written as David brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was this great chest that held uh, the stone tablets on which Moses had, or which God had written the, the Ten Commandments for Moses. I think there was a, a pot of manna in there as well and sort of Aaron's staff and all this kind of historically significant stuff that represented God's presence with the people of God. This, this wooden chest, and through stories that we don't need to go into now, the ark had been captured by the Philistines, uh, David has now recovered it, and he's bringing it back into Jerusalem with great rejoicing, great excitement, and that's the background to this psalm. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, as the king of glory comes in, as the ark enters the, the, the city of Jerusalem again. Uh, and in this psalm, and again, we'll come back to this thought in a moment, but again, David is still, at this point, asking the question, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, there was another triumphant entry into Jerusalem some centuries later as Jesus entered Jerusalem. If the Ark of God represented the the presence of God, then Jesus himself just, just... extolled that so much more. Here is God himself come to earth, now entering his city. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it and many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And suddenly suddenly the perspective changes suddenly the perspective changes and the answer to this most fundamental question who can ascend the hill of the Lord now has a new answer to a degree it's still yes those who have clean hands and a pure heart but but my hands will never be clean enough my heart will never be pure enough to enable me to stand before God in and of my own strength and say, look at my clean hands, look at my pure heart, because God will say, they're not very clean, they're not very pure. But you see, our New Testament perspective on this has now changed because we are not trusting or should not be trusting in our clean hands and our pure heart, but trusting in the one and the only one who really did have clean hands and pure heart. We're trusting in Jesus for our salvation. He's the one that enables us to stand before God. We trust in him, not in our own strength. Uh, Seeing as I'm on a roll with my interests and my illustrations, let me tell you another story. The first uh, American to walk in space was a guy named Ed White, and he was a Christian. He, was a, he had a great faith. And he was being interviewed on television or one talk show again, back in the mid-60s. And he was explaining how he was going to be the first American to walk in space and how he was connected to his capsule by this tether. And he was explaining to the talk show presenter that, that through this tether was his communication line. That was how he talked to the guy that was left back in the capsule. There was his oxygen line. That was what he would breathe through, this this line that was giving him his his oxygen and his communication. And obviously it was holding him in place, connecting him to the capsule. And and he, he told this amazing story about this tether that was holding him to the capsule. And the talk show presenter said, you must have great faith in the people that built that tether. And Ed White said, no. I've got faith in the person that built the person who made the tether. And I thought, wow, that was a great answer. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not trusting in human agencies. I'm not trusting in human strength or ability. I'm trusting in God. I'm trusting in God. And so the question is not, do I have clean hands and a pure heart? Because I never will, according to God's standard. But I'm trusting in the one that does. Jesus, through his death on the cross made a way for us to stand in that holy place before the creator of the universe. On the cross, he exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness. And now we are clean and pure. One thing is is missing from this sermon, I should say, at this point. I don't know if if any of you have spotted what is missing with your knowledge of how I tend to to bring words to you. Yeah, so we kind of need to, if not at the beginning... At least now, (laughs) we need to have three points. We can't have a sermon unless there are three points. They're a little bit late in coming, but they are here nevertheless. And I just want to share again a couple of thoughts on this psalm because I am so struck. Again, what so struck me was here is this passage these verses in the heart of the Old Testament that suddenly draw me into the New Testament or here is my faith in Jesus in the New Testament that suddenly puts a new perspective on the Old Testament I find that I can't separate the two and I'm really struck again just by this question is David's question still relevant for us given that we're trusting in Jesus do we have to worry about having clean hands and a pure heart? Isn't that just an Old Testament verse that we can comfortably park and move on to greater things now? Do we need to study Psalm 24? Do we need to think about what it means for us today? Well, yes, we do. You see, the challenges that David laid before us are challenges that we need to respond to. And the first thing I, kind of, one thing I noticed here was the, was the centrality of the gospel message what I've called the centrality of the gospel, the way, so important for how we share our faith with others and the things that we say to them. You see, I said earlier that not many people are going to ask the question, what do I need to do to be right before God? Yeah, it was that question that David was answering, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, who can stand in his holy place, what must I do to be right before God? Not many people out there in the world will ask that question. Actually, not many people in here will ask that question because we know we're trusting in Jesus. In one sense, we, 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 don't, we do need to ask that question, but we tend not to. But there are some people who do ask that question, or that question is actually in the back of their minds. And that's people that are looking into church and wanting to come to church, maybe wanting to come on an Alpha course, maybe to ask questions about what does it mean to be part of a church, to, to be a Christian. And one of their overriding concerns is, but a church is full of perfect people. I'm not good enough to come to a church. I'm not good enough to be a Christian because I don't have clean hands and pure hearts. Look at my life. It's broken. It's messed up. And all you folks in here, you're all living perfect lives with perfect 2.2 children families. You're all getting on fine. I can't be part of that. And this is a question, you see, that isn't necessarily only asked in the Old Testament. It's asked today by people who want to be a part of a church but say, I'm not good enough. And you see, our message to them is the central truth of the gospel is that all can come to Jesus. No matter what you have done, no matter what your past, no matter what your current circumstances, no matter how broken or rejected or despised or upset or or unfortunate you feel your life has been, you can come to Jesus he will receive... And, and, and again, the, the, there's a verse here. We don't need to switch back to it, but, but Psalm 24, verse 5. It's, it's this one verse that kind of seems to almost like be connected into the New Testament, like that lifeline that Ed White had connected him to his capsule. Verse 5, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. You see, that's what we receive from God. We receive his righteousness. When we trust in Jesus, when we put our trust in him... His righteousness becomes our righteousness. His clean hands and pure heart become our clean hands and pure heart. Our unworthiness, our sin, our, all the stuff that we think is a barrier, that is a barrier between, that absolutely is a barrier between us and God, is taken away. And so all those reasons why someone would say, well, I'd like to look into church, I'd like to be part of you, but I'm not a very good person. We have to say that's exactly what the gospel is all about. That's exactly the central message of the gospel. And we were there with you. We are there with you. None of us have clean hands and a pure heart. I'm struck also uh, in this by the humility of the gospel. Um, Yeah, I've got my three points there, haven't I? It's great having having all three points on the one slide. i have to move forward. Um, I've shared this picture of Jesus entering Jerusalem uh, you all know, most of you, I'm sure you're all familiar with that story, Jesus coming in, riding on the colt. Uh, we celebrated at Easter, as was Psalm Sunday, as people wave the banners and shout, Hosanna. There, there's a, there's a, a fascinating kind of mix of power and authority. Hosanna, here's the one who comes in the name of the Lord, but he's riding on a, on a donkey. You know, kings enter on horses, white stallions. Uh, Jesus enters on a donkey, and we have another saying in English that uh, "pride comes before a fall." Pride comes before a fall. We can get puffed up with our own importance and our own circumstances. And uh, I, I, I love that again the circumstances in which David is asking this question. You know, linking this psalm to the entry of the ark, the bringing of the ark back into Jerusalem. You see, this was a moment of great triumph. This was David's success moment. David had highs and lows in his life like anybody else. But if we were to say, you know, what was one of the biggest highs in David's life? What was one of the biggest moments of his success? It's this moment as the ark comes into Jerusalem and David is dancing and worshipping before him and declaring the glories of the Lord. It's, It's an incredible moment. An incredible moment of success for him as a king and a man. And in the midst of that, moment of success he can still ask this question who can ascend the hill of the Lord do I have clean hands do I have a pure heart you see I could understand it if David was in the midst of despair if he'd gone through some moment of disaster as David did in his life if he was brought short by his sin his shortcomings uh, situations that had overwhelmed him uh, he faced civil war he faced fleeing at one point from his son if at the moment there, as he shelters from civil war, if he had said, yeah, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? What's happened? Have I got clean hands? I would understand that if he was asking this question in a moment of despair. But you see what I'm saying? He asks this question in a moment of triumph and success. He can, he's, he's man enough to just pause for a moment and say, hey, I still need to think about my life. Where am I before God? With all this success, with all these praises ringing in my ears, where am I before God? And I think there's lessons there for us in this coming year as we are expecting quite rightly big things from God. Yeah we're having meetings tonight to say hey where's God taking us in the new year. We got a full hall. You know, even with the, you know we used to say that when the kids go out this place is half empty. Didn't we? Look around it. You can't say that now. We're a growing church. People are struggling to find seats as they come in, uh, certainly before the kids go out. Just sitting over there, just again, just noticing people, thinking, are there any empty chairs here? Can I squeeze in here? That's a success story in itself. We're growing. We've got great plans for the future. We could easily get puffed up in, in all the stuff that's going on in all the stuff that God is doing amidst us. Will we, in those times, still have the courage to say, hey, have I got clean hands, a pure heart? Am I right before God in what I'm doing? what we're doing. Who knows what has this year has for us, individually and corporately. I pray there'll be many instances of success and triumph. The question is, will we be humble enough to keep asking this question? And then lastly, what I would call the mystery of the gospel. Uh, again, as I, I, I studied this psalm and, and thought about my first impressions, uh, I saw again what I can only call the mystery of the the gospel, somehow these, uh, these first two-thirds of the Bible, the Old Testament, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't lose its validity with the coming of Jesus. You know, now Jesus has entered Jerusalem, we don't need to kind of edit out our Bible and say, hey, uh, Genesis through to Malachi, we, we don't need now because we're starting with Matthew. The whole thing has changed, let's take that two-thirds out. You know, we don't do that. This, this Bible, with all its strange bits is still relevant, It's still important for us. If, if you this year have, um, have committed to kind of read through the Bible in a year and are doing that in, in the, the order that it's written, you know, Genesis and Exodus are fine. They're great stories in there. We love that. It all goes horribly wrong when we get to you know, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all these odd laws and all this stuff. You think, what's that got to do with me today? Yeah, I can't remember where the verse is. There's, there's verses again talking about who shall come before the, before the Lord. Who can enter the temple? Uh, you you're meant to have perfect eyesight you know if we wanted to live solely by the old testament truth i'm I'm not going to make it in i I haven't got 20 20 vision i don't think i ever had 20 20 vision i'm not making it into the temple you know don't eat shellfish that kind of puts a bit of a kibosh on those that like their um seafood (laughs) countless verses when you get to there probably about february march time You're going to think, oh, hey, what's that got to do with me? But this Old Testament is still relevant. It's why we need to study the word. It's why we need to put a high priority and say, hey, how do we understand the Old Testament with its stuff? Um, I think Jesus said, oh, there we go. That was the psalm I was looking for before, but uh, never mind. Um, Jesus said, probably this is my fault now. I've put the wrong slide on. But uh, Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've, come, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. Now, again, most of us probably know that verse. It's not the one that's up there, but never mind. Um, most of us know that verse. I, I've, I've come not to abolish the law of the prophets. If you just think for a moment, wouldn't that have been the most natural thing for Jesus to say, I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. That was the Old Testament. That was back then. I'm the new boy on the block. Now you come to God through me, not through the temple. It will be so easy for Jesus to say, yeah, that's exactly what it's all about, abolishing all these old laws, all these old prophets. I'm here now. It's just amazing that Jesus doesn't say that. He says the exact opposite. I've not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. And so there is this mystery to the gospel that we're not bound by much of the Old Testament law. I can still stand up here with my glasses on and uh, you'll accept me on that basis. Um, But somehow, somehow Jesus reminds us that all of this is still important. The underlying principles, the underlying truths, we we can, as we, we are doing right now, we can preach from Psalms as much as we preach from Matthew, we can preach from Jeremiah as much as we do from John, we can preach from that book that you've never opened up in your life and said I don't even know where to find that or pronounce it but we can preach from that one as well as much as we can from Luke and that is the mystery of the gospel. Jesus the holy spirit which we'll look at this wednesday there at the beginning of creation in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the spirit of god moved upon the waters jesus is right there at the beginning you know in any great story in any great story the hero doesn't appear two thirds of the way through the story yeah jesus is here at this moment of creation God said, let us create man in his own image. He's talking to the Trinity, he's talking to Jesus, the Holy Spirit. All those great epics, you know, the hero doesn't suddenly turn up two-thirds of the way through. In Star Wars, you know, it doesn't take uh, an hour and a half into the film for Luke Skywalker to make an appearance. In Lord of the Rings, Frodo doesn't wait till the end of the story to have an appearance. They're there at the very beginning, they're the central characters. And you see, as we study the Old Testament, we'll find Jesus in its pages as much as we will in the New Testament. He's there at the beginning. He's he's through the web and the weave of this, this whole book, the mystery of the gospel, that somehow in this crazy Old Testament century, with these crazy Old Testament writings, with this crazy Old Testament ethics and theology and life, we can find Jesus. And Psalm 24 just... Open that up to me in that strange way with those first impressions. This is kind of what it says to me. And then the verse is there, as I land this and close. One for us to take away. Yes, of course, we're trusting in Jesus for our salvation. Trusting in him alone. We know we don't have clean hands and pure heart. But we can still ask this question. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting amen amen father thank you for your word thank you for every one of your words in this book that have meaning and resonance for us i just pray you'd write these into our hearts lord amen